he is jealous for me Looks like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath the weight and the wind of his mercy And all of the sudden I realize the reflections eclipse by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me Oh, how he loves us so Oh, how he loves us how he loves us all Oh, you are 
promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Beautiful Savior, you have brought me from the ashes you have broken every curse blessed redeemer you have set this captive free Lord I can help but see faithful you are faithful forever you will be All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. I will reign in your promises. Come today. Is your faithfulness? I will reign in your promises. Come today. Is your faithfulness faithful? You are faithful forever. You will be faithful. You are all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. When he told you you're not good enough When he told you you're not right When he told you you're not strong enough To put up a good fight When he told you you're not worthy When he told you you're not loved when he told you you're not beautiful, you'll never be enough. Fear, he is a liar. He can take your breath, stop you in your steps. And fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest. To your happiness, cast your fear on the fire. This fear, he is a liar. I told you you were trouble, never be alone. When he told you you should run away and never find a home. When he told you you were dirty, that you should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one that grace could never change. Fear, he is a liar. He can take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will help your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear on the fire. This fear, he is a liar. Let your fire fall and cast out all my tears. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall and close all of you. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall, your love is all I feel. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall. 
for the cross made the difference for me. I will praise Him forever and ever for the cross made the difference for me. If my voice sounds a little tired, it's because it is. <clears throat> when you sing in a Christian rock band and um, have to preach the very next day, it's not the most easy task to accomplish, but we're going to do the best we can. This week, I've uh, been trying to really tune into God, and um, He's speaking to me a lot about following the Holy Spirit, to try to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to try something a little different this morning, something a little out of the norm. I'm going to begin the sermon this morning with a, a question. It's a very important question. It's a simple question. It's a question that we all can get hold of. It's not above your head. But the question is also going to be the title of our sermon today. I want to move this mirror. I forget how skinny my legs are. And uh, <laughs> if, I, if I keep seeing how skinny my legs are, we're going to have trouble up here. But when you put skinny legs and skinny jeans, it's, it's not a pretty sight at all. But my wife says this is the style, so we're going with it. <laughs> anyway, we're going to begin with the question, and I want you to really focus on the question this morning because eternity is in the balance. And it's the title of our sermon today, which is, Do You Have True Faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have true faith? In Jesus Christ, if there is a true faith, there must be a counterfeit. Can I get an amen? So before you answer that question, I, I would ask you guys to listen to the sermon first. Meditate on the sermon this afternoon. And before you lay your head down to go to sleep, then answer the question. Don't answer it right now, but just... Just ponder on it if you would. Do I have true faith in Jesus Christ? Now, before I get started, I'm going to forewarn you prior to hearing this message. This is not me trying to come up with a very unique sermon. This is not me trying to impress you with my little, little lack of knowledge. This is not me at all. But understand that this is the man. Jesus Christ Himself, the Son of the living God, that is making a statement that we got to take note of today because it's Him that is speaking and not me. Got to keep you in the right point of view. Amen? So if you would, go with me to the book of John, chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. John 14 and 12 through 14. And as always, we ask you to stand this morning for the reading of God's Scriptures. And if you're visiting today, I say, thank God for you. It's good to see Miss Laura. She's looking really nice and skinny. Wow. I don't want to embarrass her, but she, she has seemed to lost a lot of weight. She never looked bad, though. Come on, amen. She's a nice-looking woman, and she handles herself real well. John 14, 12 through 14. If you got your place, say amen. Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Everybody said, Jesus is about to speak. Mm -hmm. i tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do 
what I have been doing. He would do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I would do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Let us pray. Oh God, we come before you in the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving and to your course of praise, and we thank you, O oh Lord, for this day that you have made, and we rejoice, and we're so glad to be in it. We ask, O oh God, that you would speak through these lips of clay. May he proclaim the oracles that you have laid upon his heart this week, hiding behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you. Lord, we didn't come here this morning to hear what I have to say. We have only come for one reason, and that is to get a word from heaven. And Lord, in order for that to happen this morning, I completely humble myself because I know that with you, God, I can do all things. Without you, Lord, I can do nothing. You hold my breath in your hand. Now, Lord, have your way. Anoint me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire. And may your words flow clearly through my lips. And we praise you and we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people said amen and amen. Now, first of all, let me just say this. I might have said this before, but it's worth hearing again, hearing again. But the only way that you and I could ever do anything greater than Jesus the only way that we could accomplish that if we all work together as one. Everybody knows that we are the body of believers and God has anointed us. He has gifted us to do His will on this earth. And so if we're all working in the power of the Holy Spirit, then, then we can do greater things than Christ, not as better, but in a larger number. Does that make sense? Because the only way we could do greater than Jesus is impossible. But, but in a natural sense, one man can only accomplish so much on the earth, but a hundred men can accomplish so much more. And I believe that's what he's talking about here. But also understand that, that Jesus in our text, he's not giving us this full access to his power for our own benefit. Because over the years, I know you have noticed that a lot of people use these certain scriptures for their own pleasure. And I want to remind you that, that James says we, we have not because we ask not. But he also says, and when you do ask, you, you ask with the wrong motives. In other words, it's what I can do, what I can get for myself, me, myself, and I. But you see, that's not God's will. God has a purpose, <clears throat> and that is to bring in the harvest. Can I get an amen? We read in the book of Luke 19 and 10, it says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. When you look in the mirror every morning, you see that individual that Jesus came to seek and to save because we were all Lost. We were all without hope. We all needed a Savior. And so that, that's God's will. And so when, when you put this in content with the text, what we're seeing is that if we would just ask according to God's will to help us to bring in the harvest, if that's our goal, if that's our purpose, then you can understand that Jesus will give us whatever we ask for in his name so that we can accomplish what he came to do. Can I get an amen? I'm trying to keep it slow this morning. I want you all to get this. And so that should help us to redirect our prayer life because most time we pray for our own needs and our own wants. I mean, how many times do we go to God with our grocery list? Hey, Lord, this is what I need. 
need, need. But, but, but in reality, what we need to be focused on is, is trying to win the lost. And so last night, I know you guys, Sammy mentioned this, but last night we were in the harvest field. We were in right at Fort Worth, Texas, in White Settlement, Texas, basically. And uh, had a big concert, great show. But little to our knowing that the Holy Spirit was about to save individuals. Now, every time we, we have a show, I'm, I'm fishing, but you don't always see the victory. But, but because you're a fisherman, you don't quit fishing because you didn't come home with the big bass. Come on, amen. And so as a fisherman, as you are a fisherman, we go for a purpose. And our purpose is not to try to bring us fame and fortune. We love it when they give us the applause, good job, you know, whatever. But that's okay, but, but we're really for that one, one reason to bring in. And I was thinking last night, it's a long ways home, you know, you're tired, it's getting close to 11-something, and you're tired. And I'm just, it's kind of quiet in the truck. We're tired. We're resting, listening to some music in the background. And I'm looking at the trailer, and I'm thinking that this trailer was given to us by a family in our church. And I'm thinking, Lord, they just don't realize that right now they are sharing in the harvest. Because they, they, they gave in, in, in order for this to happen. And I was thinking that we, we came back with pretty good finances on ourselves because another family gave into our ministry so that we could get some t-shirts and CDs. And so I was also thinking, Lord, they too are sharing in this ministry. And so what I'm saying is that, you know, as little as, as our band may appear to you, but what you have to realize is that God is using it to bring in the harvest. This woman, she had to be 72, maybe? A 72-year-old, let's just say 72, woman got saved at a Christian rock concert. Come on, now that, that's crazy. What, that don't happen. Yes, it does. Because obviously, God has a purpose and a plan. And how he does what he does is beyond our understanding. Because God's ways are not our ways, neither are his thoughts our thoughts. But his ways are higher than the heavens. Come on, amen. But Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 9, 37 through 38, he said to his disciples, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In verse 38, he says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And so that's basically what our church has done. Last night, our church sent out the workers into the harvest field. And so not only were we blessed, but the blessings from heaven are being poured out even on our church today. Look here, we got, we got three, four Four new people came in just today. Is that not awesome? That is the hand of God working behind the scene. Because last night, while we're just thinking normally, God is saying, you know what? Why don't you get up? Why don't you go to Millwood Church? Haven't been there in a while. Why not? I got some friends I'd like to bring with me. And then, then God's working behind the scenes to, to bring you here to hear a message from him. Hallelujah. Now, last week, I, don't, I know you don't remember the sermon, probably, but, but last week, at the very end of the message, I think it was the highlight of the, the sermon, I thought it was the best part, where it says in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. And so, at the end of that message, I gave you four keys to help us to follow Jesus Christ, follow the pattern of Christ. I gave you number one was follow the Holy Spirit. Number two was to take up your cross. Number three is down, to lay down your life. And number four was to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and it moved me so much spiritually that I thought this week that maybe I should go ahead and just do a full sermon on following the keys of Jesus, following the pattern of Christ. And so today we're going to look at seven keys that will help us to follow that pattern. Because we need to understand if we are called to do the things that Jesus did, 
We need to understand what he did. Because if I'm going to measure my faith to see if I have true faith in Jesus Christ, I better know what he was doing in order to measure myself by it. Come on, amen. Now, I'm going to share a little story with you. When I was just a boy, back in the 70s, I, I, I was always watching mom, always watching dad, because they, they, they were interesting to me. Interesting. You know, when you're a kid, you, just, you admire your parents, right? But mom, since we weren't rich, we were kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Amen. But, but she would always go downtown Rockwall or Wiley, but downtown Rockwall where there's a store called Groovies now. Isn't it Groovies? Groovies? But back in the day, there used to be a store that was a material shop. What was it called? Anybody know? No. It's just a general store to buy your merchandise, basically, your, your pattern. So mom would take us in or take me in. I was always with her. And, and so I'd sit on the staircase and I'd watch her. I watched everything. But I'd watch mom and she would go over and over through the patterns. And once she found the pattern, then she would go to the material. She'd find the material that she liked. And then she would go get the zippers that matched. And then she would find the buttons or whatever it needed for that, that, that dress that she was making for Tammy, my sister. And then, she, then we'd come on, she'd put on supper, and then she'd go in the living room and she would lay out the material and she would pin the pattern down to the material. And I would watch her and she would cut carefully around each pattern. And you have to realize that each piece of the pattern had a purpose. Are you following me? Everything that goes with the pattern, everything that had to be to be made to make that dress, there was a purpose for it. So she, she would cut it out perfectly and then she would sew it together. It was amazing to me to see how all these pieces worked together for a certain purpose. And what I'm saying is that the pieces in your life, if, if you took them all and you cut them out and you put them all together and you sewed it together, would your pattern, the things that you do and the things in life, would your pattern look similar to the life of Jesus Christ? Think about it. That, that's pretty convicting because I was thinking about, well, if, if I was as the boy, if I'd have took the same material, same pattern, and I pinned it and I sewed it together, I can promise you the dress that I made or the shirt I made would look nothing like the dress mom made because she's a pro. Think about this. In the same way, Jesus Christ is the perfect man. He's the God man. Come on, amen. And so his life is the perfect pattern for us to follow. And no matter how hard we try to make that outfit to look like Christ, it will never look identical to it because we all sin and we all fall short to the glory of God. I remember in high school, I did make a shirt, but I can promise you, I never wore that shirt. I thought it was going to be cool. So it ended up in the trash, but that's just life. Come on, amen. But isn't it interesting to see how a store today, 45 years later, you can walk in now and just buy an out, outfit for a lot of money, but back then you could spend probably just a tenth of what you spend now and can make a beautiful dress, but it takes work. And I would just say this, it's going to take some work today to try to pattern your life to look anything like Jesus. I'm not saying that you need to work your way to heaven. It don't work that way. But I'm saying as long as we're living here on this earth, we should try our best to, to cut out patterns, cut out things that are alive that don't belong there. This don't go on the dress. This don't belong there. So I'm cutting this junk off because when I get through I want, I want my outfit to look similar to the life of Jesus. Romans 13 and 14. Paul said, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. But our text says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And so with that illustration... Let's move on down to the book of John 14 and 12. 
Our text says this. I tell you the truth. In other words, what Jesus says next, you can take it to the bank. Because you've got to understand that Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. And what the Father does, I too do. Come on, amen. In other words, you can't separate us because in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Come on, amen. And so Jesus saying that, that I am the way and the truth. I am the way and the truth. Malachi says it like this. Malachi 3 and 6. I, the Lord, do not change. Numbers 23 and 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then I act? Does he promise and not fulfill? In other words, the truth of Christ, who he is, never changes. Our world is, is so upside down right now. Our world is completely changing, going the opposite direction of what this is. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says in just a moment. I'm going to get you there to the Pharisees who believed. But first of all, I began to look at this word truth in, in the Greek language. And I, then I wanted to compare what I found in the Greek language, language to the Gospels and to the epistles. I wanted to know if, if, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, come on, amen, and, and, and Paul... And, and, and also James and Peter and, and the other John, I wonder if what they taught lined up with the same truth. And what I found is that they did. They all used this one word called eletheia. Eletheia is the word truth in the Greek, which means truth, the truly truth. And so when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, I'm not just the truth, I'm the truly truth. Come on. In other words, th there's no other way there's no other way because you can only enter into the presence of God through the truth. In other words, a liar cannot come into the presence of God without him allowing them to come. Come on, amen. Because when I came to Christ, I was a liar and probably a whoremonger, whatever you want to call me back then, and I was not, but, but it was the grace of God that allowed me into his presence to be saved. Amen. But after I was saved, now... I have to come in through truth because truth is the key. Can't open the door of truth with the, with the lying key. You got to have the right key for the right door. So when you got the truth key, it always opens the doorways into more truth. Are you following me? And so listen to what Jesus says about truth. He's talking to the Pharisees, the Jewish people who did believe. John 8, 31 and 32. Are y'all enjoying this? Okay. To the Jews who had believed in him, this is the majority of the church, to people who do believe in him. To the people who believed him, Jesus said, if, everybody say if, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you in other words, not just knowing Jesus has the power to set you free, but actually doing what he did has the power to set you free. In other words, you can know all about the truth, but the truth will not really set you free until you begin to practice what you know. Is that going too fast? I want to show you a verse that's pretty much hidden in the scriptures that you probably never heard before. It's in the book of Philemon. Or is that Philemon? How do you say that? I don't know, Philemon? Philemon 1 to 6. I know you haven't heard this, but I want you to listen carefully to what he says. He said, I pray that you may be more active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of all the things we have in Christ. In other words... The more you begin to accomplish and the more you do for Christ, the more clearer he becomes to you. 
Now, I don't know if Dave or our drummer has ever partaken in bringing in the harvest, but last night they stepped into a new realm. And, and once you taste the taste of bringing in the harvest, then all of a sudden the truth has a brand new flavor. Come on, I know truth, I know about truth, but when you begin to practice what you know and all of a sudden you see something happen, then all of a sudden it becomes magnified. But at the same time, the Bible says, do not quench the Spirit's fire. So think about it like this. If I came home last night all fired up about the concert and the people getting saved and my wife was in a bad mood and didn't want to hear about staying red, she could quench my fire. And, and she'll knock me off my little cloud and I would go to bed like this. Come on, amen. Because she quenched the fire. But, but what, what should be taking place is like when something like that happens, that's when the body of Christ comes together and begins to encourage the people who went out in the harvest field because you don't want them to get discouraged. Because if they get discouraged, how are we going to bring them in? So we encourage each other not only with our gifts or tithes and offering, but we encourage them with our words. Good job. Way to go. You know, when I come home and I'm tired and I see that plate coming out of the microwave, I'm like, praise the Lord. Because I learned the hard way that you don't eat before you sing or you throw up in your mouth. And I did it last practice. I thought I was going to be all that. And, I'm, and they're like, why are you stopping the song? Just bear with me. I'm trying to swallow here. Come on, I know it's nasty, but I'm just being real up here. And so I, I don't eat until like, like maybe 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and so 11 last night, 12 hours, Iron Man was ready to eat. And so I, I killed me some mushroom meatballs. <laughs> Amen. So let's look at James. Now, we know that James said, who said it this morning? Faith without works is, who said that? Brian. Faith without works is dead. What do you do with something that's dead? No, you don't. You resurrect it. Come on, amen. So if you got something, you got faith in your life, and it's dead, don't bury it. Put some power in it. Put some Holy Ghost power and watch that thing come alive. You need to resurrect that thing. James says it like this, 2.18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. He says, show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Because James understood in order to understand what we have, we have to take our little faith and begin to put some shoes on that faith. And once our faith begins to walk and we begin to use what we learn, then all of a sudden, new doorways begin to open for us in our ministries. But if you take that word and you sit on it and you never apply it, I can promise you, your faith will stay small and little. But it's when you exercise that muscle of faith, if you would, then all of a sudden that faith begins to grow and then you find yourself not fearful of sharing the gospel because I can promise you, when you first share the word of God with somebody, you'll be a little nervous. You're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say. But when you begin to share it and apply what you know, all of a sudden it becomes a natural part of who you are because who you are is someone that called by God to go out and bring in the harvest. Paul said, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not mean if you were wise by human standards, not mean if you were influential, not mean if you were a noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly thing and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no flesh may boast before him. Now go with me to 1 John 1, 6. Listen what John has to say. He said, if we claim, if we claim, say, this is my claim. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sins. 1 John 3, 18, he says, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. 
In other words, you can say to me all you want that I love Jesus. That sounds so good to my ears. But when I'm not hearing the words that I love Jesus, but when I begin to see someone paint these walls, I'm seeing faith in action. In other words, I'm not going to tell Jesus I love him, but you know what? I'm going to show Jesus I love him. Notice we're under construction right now because we got a lot of love going on right now. People trying to express what God means to them. You know what worship is? Worship is filling your ship with, with what God is worth. What is he worth to you? All of a sudden you take what he's worth, put it in your little ship, and send it on his way. See, when I'm worshiping on drums, I'm not even thinking about y'all. I'm thinking about my ship. And sometimes I get loud and Maybe a distraction to y'all, but not to me. Man, just get out of my way. Let me just take over. You know, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fill up my ship. I'm trying to play my very best because I want to put my best in the ship to send the Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but he's worth more than anything in the world to me. So fill up your ships. Fill it up and send it to him. And so let's look at the pattern. What time is it? Man, I've lost track I got plenty of time, thank you. The pattern, number one, is love. Jesus proved his love not only to us, but to the Father. If you, if you had a pattern, just put a heart. Cut the heart out. I got to have the heart first to make this outfit to look right. I got to have the heart. Number one, and in those patterns, they had little numbers. Cut out number 32. Cut out 36. I remember. I can remember everything. 1 John 4, 19 and 20. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hate his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who cannot love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so in order to get that kind of love out of me, I got to do, I got to be willing to do what Jesus did often. And so we look in Luke 5, 16, and you will see exactly what Jesus did often. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew and prayed. So the number two pattern to dress like Jesus is you got to pray often. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. Now, what you have to understand is that even though Jesus was love and is love, do not think to yourself that he was not tempted to not love. Let me prove it. Because can you imagine for a moment washing the feet of the disciple who is about to sell you out for 30 silver coins? And you knew before he even knew. And so don't tell me that he was not tempted not to love because it would be easy to kick him to the curb, but no. Jesus washed his feet with the same compassion, same love, and same mercy that he washed everybody else with, the one who would betray him. Hebrews 2.18. Am I using too many scriptures? Good. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. It's easy for us not to love. It's easy for us not to have compassion for others. Because honestly, sometimes people irritate us. Sometimes people get on our nerves. And we just really, you know, we, we like them, but man, sometimes I just don't want to be around them. Why? Because we have something called sinful nature. And, and, and it's the ugliness that comes out when God's saying, I want you to love. You say, how do I love people like this? All they do is take the air out of my tires. You're feeling good? They pull the stem out. 
But nevertheless, he says, have compassion on them to love, to pray for them. And so number three on the list is compassionate for others. Regardless of how you feel, you're called to love them. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Matthew 15 and 32. Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion for all these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. He was having compassion on Dave last night on the way home. Dave likes to eat. Yeah, we talked about cereal and everything else on the way home. And Joseph, this little skinny guy in the back, he's like, y'all want to pull over and get something? Because me and Dave's talking about food. <laughs> Amen. But no, nah, nah, we'll make it. We'll make it. But Jesus, when he saw the sheep were hungry, he had compassion. He cared about them. He didn't want them to go all the way home and maybe collapse. So what does he do? He says, you know what? How much food do we have? Well, we got two loaves and five fish. Plenty. Matthew, two, um, Matthew 20, 34. Jesus had compassion on them, the two blind men. He touched their eyes, immediately they received their sight and followed him. In other words, when you have compassion for people who even hurt you, sometimes you got to help them see. Help them see the truth because they're not going to understand where you're coming from unless you say, listen, let's look at the scriptures right here. This, this is why we should do what we do. You're just helping them to see. You're not being rude. You're not throwing the Word of God at them. No, you're showing them this is, this is our pattern. We want to make a good outfit so we lay out the pattern even for people who don't know Him. How can they see unless someone preaches to them? Right? Amen. And so Paul, he asks a series of questions in this next verse, and we're going to use a couple of these questions as part of our text here. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, if anyone has... If anyone has any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Colossians 3 and 12. Man, I'm seeing like I'm going too long with this. Colossians 3 and 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we, we can get two more out of this for sure. Number four and five on our pattern list is this. We need to learn to be kind and gentle. How do you do that? There's a word called meekness. I saw a man ride a buffalo on the YouTube. You can find anything. I saw the same man put the buffalo in a Cadillac. I'm thinking, what in the world? And then the word meekness comes to my mind. Meekness is controlled power. That buffalo could still tear the car up and the man. But because he was trained to think differently, he was now able to control his power. In other words, when that irritation comes into your life, you got to control your power. There's power in the tongue. The power of what? Life and death. I think I'm teaching better than you guys are receiving this here. When that, when that, when that snappiness comes on. You feel it. I'm finna get snappy in here. Come on, amen. Is that a word? Snappiness? When snappiness comes on, you need to put snappy down. Crucify that thing. That thing will get you in trouble. Kathy. <laughs> amen. Number six is something, we're gonna go down the street called humility. Four and five is kindness and gentleness. Kindness and gentleness, number four and five, because they work together hand in hand. That's it, brother. Number six is humility. We got to go down the street called humility. In order to get down the street of humility, it's a small street. 
And the closer you get to the cross, the smaller it gets. And so in order for the street to get smaller, we got to get what? Tiny. The littler we get, the better off we are and the more power we have. Because the smaller I get up here, the more we can grow. If I get up here with a big head like I know it all, and I'm telling you, I don't. I just know a little. But the more I become small, the greater my messages will become up here. I know I'm not, I'm not that in a bag of chips. I know I'm just an uneducated man, but I'm willing to do what my father called me to do. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty right hand, that he may lift you up in due time. In other words, his timing, not your timing. Due time. I'm like, Jesus, is it due time? Not yet, son. Luke 14, 11. For all those that exalt himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. You want to see the power of your, of your God in your life, Lord? Keep getting small, girl. Get small. Smaller you get, more power you have. That's why I had to hide the mirror. I was getting too powerful up here. I saw them skinny legs. Never mind. Just playing up here. <laughs> Matthew 11 and 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You can't rest at night because your head's too big. Let some air out. You are not all that in a bag of chips. You're not. Cross it off your list. I'm, just say, I'm not that. Say, go ahead and say, I'm not that. No, you're not. Let's do number seven quickly. Patience. I want to look like Jesus, so I'm going to have to have some patience. Ooh. Everybody say, don't pray for patience. We all learned that lesson, didn't we? Because the first thing you do when you're a young Christian, oh, Lord, I need patience. Okay, here it comes. But here's a verse I found. I've read it probably a million times, but I found it. Proverbs 19.11. This is going to be my new memory verse. A man's wisdom, wisdom gives him patience. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. In other words, wisdom teaches you to give grace the same grace that God was willing to give you. Wisdom will tell you that, you know what? You didn't deserve what you got, but God was patient with you. So he gives you grace. And so we have to learn that type of patience. And the only way to get that type of patience is to become small and reach out in humility and say, Lord, beat your breasts. I don't deserve, but I really need you to be patient with me. And I need to be more patient with others. I think about patience. I think about what Paul says about what love is. First Corinthians 13 and 4. He begins with this. His love is Love is. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and... You got it. Here's the best way to remember patience. I'm going to close with this. I bet you're saying, praise the Lord. The best way to remember patience is to remember the simple farmer. The farmer has to be the most patient man on the earth. First of all, he has to be patient while he's plowing. He's not going very fast. It takes hours to plow the field and get it prepared. He's patient. Secondly, then he has to plant the seed, but then he has to wait on the rain. And he waits patiently. But after it rains, then he has to wait for the plant to grow. Then after it grows, then he has to wait for the field to be harvested. And once it's harvested, then he has to wait for the payday. All this waiting is the perfect picture of you and I, how we have to wait. We want things to happen now. Put it in the microwave. I want it now. Well, sometimes you just need to put the beans on and let them go. 
Cook for a while. Put your ham bone in there. Oh, y'all getting hungry yet? And put you some cornbread in the oven. Fry you up some chicken in it. Come on, it takes a while to fry chicken if you don't want blood in it. You got to take your time. We got to be patient like the farmer. We have to be slow in life. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. We got to be patient with people because love is patient. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but God who makes things grow. James 5 and 7, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. God is even teaching us we got to be more like the farmers. Those people who came in last night, that wasn't because we did something. It's because somebody in the past took the time to remove the stumps, the rocks out of the life, took the time to plant the seed, but only at that time was it God's timing for the plant to be harvested. And God said, well, I'll just send stain red up in there. Boom. So I don't walk out of the concert like, yeah, I did that. No, I didn't do anything. I was just the one who had the scissors to cut off the heads to bring in the harvest. Are y'all seeing the picture? Because we can't take credit for anything. Because when you do, you're removing the humility out of the formula. Then you mess it all up. And your pattern, your, your dress has no arm in it. And the other one does. Or you forgot the backside. It's all right till you turn around. Come on, amen. Keep coming at me. Don't, don't leave. <laughs> amen. Let's all stand. Let's close. You know, every day we, we try our best to look like Jesus. I remember years ago in our church, there was a little bitty girl. She had to be about six. And she would tell her mom, let's go to church. I want to see Jesus. And she said, well, you can't really see Jesus. Said, yeah, there he is. And she always referred to me as Jesus. I'm like, baby, don't call me Jesus. She'd come up here, oh, Jesus. She'd, I'm like, don't, babe, please, don't call me. But I guess she was basically saying, I, I see him in you. The best way. And, and that really was the greatest compliment I could ever have for that little child, childlike faith coming to me saying, Jesus. Man, if we could all walk out of here and people say, hey, Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, that's Christian. Hey, Jesus, oh, Lord. No, that, that's what we want them to see us like. And so next time that anger rises up, put it out because it's going to mess your pattern up. Your dress is not going to turn out very pretty at all. But just keep trying your best to stay in line with the pattern and put those pieces together and cut off that stuff that we don't need because that stuff is going to cloud up our mess. We're, we're, we already got a mess. We're trying to make something out of this. Trying to make something beautiful out of this. It's hard to do. But I, I find myself more and more as I walk with Christ, more junk is falling off. Now, Lori hadn't seen me preach in several years. And I'm just wondering, in my mind, is, is there any difference? No, I've always been the same guy. But I hope that I'm growing. I hope I'm growing that I can glorify the Father through my words. But all I want to do is become more and more Christ-like. Everyone, bow your head and close your eyes. If you need prayer this morning, if you need to be saved this morning, if you need to get back on track this morning, whatever it is, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. If you got the right motives today, I'm feeling led right now. You can go ahead and sit down. I got it right here. You can go and sit down. I got it. I got it. We're going to take just a moment right now. 
He done dropped it in my mail before you even started moving. We're going to take a moment to pray for Austin, even now. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, this young man is trying so hard to stay in line with the Spirit. Lord, this week I pray that we can teach him somehow to remain small. Lord, give him the grace to understand it's not how much I do that's important. It's how little I can become that's so important. Help him to say this one word, two letters, N-O. No. I say no to anything that's going to influence me to go the wrong direction. Teach him the word no today. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Christ, I pray for the people, the visitors today. I pray for everyone in this building. I pray this week we will take our time with the word of God, examine it, study it, and find in that scripture our lives where we fall short. And help us, Lord, to remove that completely out of the formula. Because we want to be a people that represent the Most High, the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Christ who went to the cross, died, bled, and suffered. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Go with your people. Bless them. In God's name we pray. Your people said amen and amen.